Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in the precious, matchless, awesome, majestic, wonderful name above all names. And Lord, as we were worshiping, as we were singing that song, there is so much power in the name of Jesus. When that name is spoken out in faith, when that name is declared with authority, all demons in hell tremble and they flee and the enemy runs with his tail between his legs. Lord, we thank you that there is authority and that there is power in that name. And Lord, that you are the word, you are the living word of God that is alive and powerful, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, and we can wield that sword around when we speak it out of our mouth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God, but Lord, we, we wield that sword by speaking that word out. So Father, I just thank you tonight if we uh, go with the notes or if we don't. Holy Spirit, we just look to the teacher and the guide on the inside. We don't want to do anything in our own might, in our own human efforts, because it always falls flat. We need your spirit. We need your anointing. We need your presence. And Lord, we just know you are here, and we put a demand on your word and the great teacher on the inside to minister to each and every person here tonight. Lord, I count it an honor and a privilege to, to be here each and every week. And Lord, I just thank you that each person here tonight has unique needs and um, desires, uh, maybe some unfulfilled desires and uh, unanswered prayers. Father, I, maybe even direction, Lord, concerning their life, wisdom. Father, I just thank you that you are giving them clarity. You are giving them wisdom, divine wisdom that comes from heaven. You are lighting their path, ordering their steps, showing them things to come, leading and guiding them into all truth. Because your word is truth, and that is the rock in which we stand, our firm foundation. And we put our trust and confidence in you tonight, Lord. And we say, Father, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, we are just going to start with the notes here and see what happens. Um, tonight, I want to talk about uh, being heart healthy, having a healthy heart. Um, you know, so oftentimes we put such an emphasis on, you know, being heart healthy in our eating and our diet and our exercise, um, you know, and, and all of that's good. I, I don't want to downplay that whatsoever. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We want to take care of our bodies. We want to be heart healthy. We want to, you know, I, unfortunately in our Rama camps, we've gotten so many, I'm sure you guys too, as RMAI members emails from uh what do we call him sir doug uh coming out and it's so many emails sad it's sad but how many ministers that their races got cut short because they didn't tend to the temple so i'm not downgrading that we got it we got to take care of that we got it we are a spirit we have a soul and we live in this physical body and they all they all need attention um, but I really want to hone in tonight specifically on the spirit of man or the heart uh, on the inside. You know, we can we can put so much emphasis on our on our minds. Um, we can overeducate our minds at the expense of our spirits so oftentimes. And some of the stuff that we were talking about that's going on in our secular world and the garbage that they're feeding our kids um, it is imperative that we get the word of God in our kids so that they can get the truth and that they can recognize that this is garbage, that this is of the enemy, that, that, you know, bottom line, we need to take those thoughts captive and recognize 
because we don't we don't look at counterfeits to recognize a counterfeit we get saturated in truth and that truth will help us to quickly identify okay that's not truth that's a counterfeit when you know the truth it's the truth that sets you free not meditating on counterfeits that's going to set you free we got to get the truth of god's word in us and i probably said it before in other messages but when when people in working for Loomis or, 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 or the money system, they are not studying um, counterfeits to point out counterfeits. They're studying the authenticity of, of a legitimate bill, and they're looking at that thing inside and out. They know that, that authentic bill so that when they try to slip a counterfeit across the counter, they say, no. Nah, Take your fake bill and get out of here and give me those booze back because you ain't getting it. And so it, it, it's so key that, that, that the word of God takes precedence and, and priority in our lives. Um, you know, like I said, our minds can get trained and educated through school, through our jobs, through life experience, um, oftentimes more contaminated, really. And, and that's why we need to take what's being put in in that toxic and let the let our minds be cleansed with the washing of the water of the word it wants to come in and purify all that toxic junk so that we can be pure vessels unto god that are fit for the master's use i don't know about you i want to be usable don't use me lord make me usable because there's a lot of people that saying use me use me well are you usable are you usable because some are shouting, I want to do this and I want to do that. Well, you've disqualified yourself because of the life in which you're living. Ooh, this is going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> I can talk to family so I can get a little raw here. Um, but our hearts and our spirit, man, the real us on the inside has been unfortunately neglected. I've heard Greg say it over and over again. You're not going to get by on one good meal at church a week and think you're going to be spiritually fit and have the strength and the fortitude to live your life and to fight spiritual warfare and keep the enemy at bay and to exercise the authority of your God-given rights and, and actually be able to get into the Word. You're going you're gonna to be weary and well-doing. That's why you got to fuel your spirit, man, on an ongoing basis. What are you doing Monday morning? Hopefully, Sunday can inspire you enough to compel you to take what you learned and then begin to put it into practice throughout the week. Um, so why is the condition of our heart so important? Why is the condition of our heart so important? Yeah, I'm just going to roll with this. Uh, Proverbs 4.20 through 27 in the NLT, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Um, it says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Okay, so we're paying attention. We're in, I like the, the King James. Incline thine ear <laughs> to my sayings. Pay attention to what I'm saying in here listen carefully to my words 
So we're paying attention. We're listening. And then he goes on to say, don't lose sight of it. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. And here's the result of that. Here's the fruit of that. For they will bring life to those that find them and healing to their whole body. It goes on to say, guard your heart above all else. That must be pretty important if he's saying above all else, guard your heart. Why? For it determines the very course of your life. I'm just going to go ahead and read the rest of the chapter because it's good. Avoid, guarding our hearts, avoid all perverse talk. This is just some practical application to what we just read. Avoid perverse talk. I tell you what, God is not, God frowns greatly on gossip. There's a lot of other sins that we think, oh, you know, we're pointing the finger at people, but you're just a gossiping machine. I tell you what, that, that is not pleasing to God whatsoever. So avoiding all perverse talk, power in our words, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit, Proverbs 18, 21. And then in Deuteronomy 28, God says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, but the choice is yours because he didn't create robots. He created a creation given free will to choose we've been given freedom of choice as to whether we're going to serve god or not whether we're going to choose the blessing or live under the curse of the law which is alive and active in the earth today you don't have to look very far to know that we live on an earth with a curse or and you guys have said it so beautifully before why does bad things happen to good people some of those things we got no business answering that question because God said the secret things belong to the Lord. But I can say this with confidence. If you get under the protection and the umbrella of God under the shadow of the Almighty, like Psalms 91, there is so much power when we take the word and speak it out of our mouth. Proclaim it and prophesy it. Psalms 91, I got, you know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. There may be 10,000 on one side and one on the other, but it ain't coming near me. So look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe, safe path. Don't get sidetracked. In other words, let's not deter to the left or to the right because there are so many things in this world, God set your feet on the course that He has for you, but there are things in this world that are trying to get you off of that course. The enemy, the God of this world, is trying to derail you and get you off the path that God has for you because He knows that if you stay the course, His fate is looking pretty bleak. So don't get sidetracked and keep your feet from following evil that's verse 27 so in other words if we want god's word to work in our lives we need to make sure that the soil of our heart is good ground to receive that word i love what the psalmist said here in uh, psalms 19 12 through 14 i got it in the nlt 
try to keep it a little easier on you guys by not bouncing around to 14 different translations, although I love studying that way. But Psalms 19, 12 through 14, it says, How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? You know, there's sins in us that we are not even aware of, but we have such a good, gracious Father that He only deals with us one thing at a time oftentimes. If He were to expose every sin, flaw, and shortcoming, we'd just throw in the towel right now. But He's a good God and just shows us little things. Just make a little tweak here. Make a little adjustment there. And He's so good and patient and long-suffering. And if you're just willing to cooperate with Him, He will continue to work with us. He's so good that way. Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Things that I'm not aware of, Lord. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt. I like this. This is the power of the blood right here. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. I was reading in the Old, Old Testament under the Old Covenant with the priests and when they'd go into the Holy of Holies to make the sacrifices for the people of Israel on a yearly annual basis, they would be covered, but they'd never be cleansed. In other words, the, the, the blood of, of sheep and goats could never clear a man's conscience. Only the blood of Jesus can clear your conscience and make you a new creature in Christ where old things have passed away and all things have become new. In Jesus, we got a fresh slate every day. And the power of the blood is continually flowing. 2,000 years later, it is just as potent. It is just as concentrated. It is just as powerful. It is just as effective as it was back then. And it is doing the same things today. So we got to put a demand on the blood. We got to tap into that blood. We got to plead that blood. When we miss the marks, say, Jesus, wash me in that blood. And he's saying, I'll make you as white as snow as far as the east is from the west. I'll cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness and remember them no more. I'll give you a clear conscience so that you can move forward without all that I have for you. So that we can be free of guilt and innocent of great sins. And I like this here. May the words, this is what I want to get at here. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Who listened to Dougie Fresh this last week? What's a, what's a, a, a phrase that he wanted us to get on? think time may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart or the think time see that meditation word just seems super spiritual but really all that is is thinking about what you're reading what you're studying what you're praying about what you're journaling what the lord's showing you it's thinking on that it's, I, I'm trying to think where that ver verse says, um, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are just, whatever th is that in Galatians? Whatever things are pure, whatever things are life-giving, whatever things are virtuous, think on these things. When we think on those things, what's that? Philippians 4.8, that's a good one. So what we think on, 
I, I said in a closer the other day, but what we behold is what we become. What, what are you keeping continually before you? And then in another verse in Psalms, Psalms 119, 9 through 11 in the NLT. How can a young person or a middle-aged person or an old person or any old person, how can a person, <laughs> it's so funny how they, they refer some of these pure scriptures to young people like it doesn't apply to older people. Like somehow I get married and like lust and impurities just automatically disappear. I don't got to work with that anymore. Are you kidding me? It's not a young person thing. It's a human fleshly thing. How do we, as the human race, stay pure? I think that'd be a little more appropriate. By obeying your word, I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands, Lord. I have hidden your word in my heart. There it is. That I might not sin against you. Ah. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what we put in us is what is going to come out of us. Garbage in, garbage out. If we're putting the word in, guess what? The word's going to come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I believe and therefore I speak. So whatever's in you is going to come out of you. I like how Jesus really got, he just rips into the Pharisees. And I, I love reading the Gospels and just snicker at that. But he says, you, you basically, you idiots, you, 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 you praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You're like whitewashed tombs that clean yourself on the outside, but your hearts are full of corruption. So I want to look tonight just real quickly at, at the four soils of the heart. The four soils of the heart. God must really want me to preach this tonight because the enemy's been fighting me all day with this. The four soils of the heart. We're going to go ahead and get into... I actually read the, the parable of the sower and the parable of the sower explained. It's in the synoptic gospels. That would be Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And basically what that means is it's just three different men giving their own personal accounts to a lot of the same stories and encounters they had with Jesus. <clears throat> but the four soils of the heart, let's go ahead and start here in... I just kind of eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> I went, went ahead. Let's go ahead and do Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, and we'll look at verses 18 through 23 in the NLT. And we'll, we'll read along, we'll stop, and we'll kind of break it down a little as we're going here. The four soils of the heart. <clears throat> Matthew 13. Now listen to the explanation so I'm just kind of jumping over to the explanation for time's sake. But now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. 
Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. This happens so many times to new believers or outside church people who come into the house of God. Maybe they got invited. Maybe they, some, a family member had to twist their arm to get them in. But they're in there. And they're hearing the word being preached. They're hearing the word of God going forth. But yet it's landing on deaf ears. They're not understanding what's being spoken. It's, it's not resonating. It's, it's not, they're not comprehending it. For the unbeliever, that veil is still over their eyes. But oftentimes for the, for the new believer, some things they're just not getting a hold of. And so because of that lack of understanding as to what's being spoken on, the enemy takes advantage of that. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So let's just stop there. The seed is the Word of God. And the seed never fails. The failing part is on our side. So if something's not working, that's where we got to examine our hearts and the soil and the condition of our hearts to see if it is conducive or not to take hold of the seed. Do we have the, the ground that can take the seed of the Word and actually produce fruit to where the promises of God which are yes and amen are not in theory but actually a reality in our lives so many believers are looking at the word and looking at their life and saying something's not right here because it's my life is not lining up with what God is supposedly saying is mine the seed of the word once again is always good the seed always works. The Word always works. So it's not a God... It, it, there's a man side and a God side. And if things aren't clicking, we need to check up on the man side to see, Lord, where am I missing it? Where am I missing the mark here? And so this lack of understanding, let me just say this, ignorance is not bliss. <laughs> Hosea 4.6 that says that my people, God's people, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So when we have a lack of knowledge or a lack of understanding in any given area, most of us, when we don't understand something, even though truth is being presented, but yet we don't understand that truth yet, what do we do? We keep it at arm's length because we don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to us yet. And so the enemy takes full advantage of whatever seed had been scattered in that person's life. He just comes and th they don't even put up a fight because of their lack of knowledge in that. So the second seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Man, I don't know how many services early on when I first got saved where Man, we're jumping, we're shouting, I got sweat on my shirt. I'm like, you preach it, Pastor, man, you are bringing it. You know, and I'm just all fired up and inspired, and I leave the door, and somebody comes up to me and says, well, what would Pastor preach today? I don't know, but it sure was awesome. You know, it's like, did it even register? 
did it did I even lay hold of it I had joy I got a, I got some emotionalism I got a little sweat on my shirt and on my brow but when I walked out of the church did anything stick to me and so it says here immediately they receive that seed or God's word with joy but since they don't have deep roots they don't last long Ooh, that's a sermon in itself on our root system and do our roots run deep run deep or not and in this case they're saying this individual has a root system that does not run deep in in other words they are very shallow spiritually speaking or just immature in the lord and so they don't last long why because they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted or for believing for or, let me say that again they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So when the challenges of life come and slap them side the head, they get a little jaded. And because their root system in the word is not established, they're quickly swayed and the enemy is able to bump them out of the way and get them off of their course. And then it goes on to say in the next verse, through the next soil of the heart where the seed is planted, it says that it fell among the thorns, representing those who hear God's word. Now, this is a big one for a lot of people. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, and no fruit is produced. In other words, the cares of this life, the the, the desire for other things, the deceitfulness of riches, the, the, the pleasures of sin for a season are coming in and they are choking the Word and it becomes unfruitful. Why? Because they are putting a greater priority on their desires and the things of this world over God's Word and their relationship with Him. And so the, the things of this world become all-encompassing, all-consuming, whether it's worries, whether it's the desire for wealth or the desire for other things, no fruit can be produced in their life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come in and choke the Word. And then last but not least, we have the seed that fell on good soil, which represents those who truly hear, so they hear it, Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. And understand it. God's Word, so they hear it and they understand it. And they produce a harvest, some 30, some 60, and some even 100 times as much as had been planted. So there's so much going on here. So just a, a, a quick recap. We got those who don't understand. The enemy comes and snatches it. We got those who receive it with joy, but yet their root system hasn't been established. So they're knocked out of the race by the enemy pretty quick. And then we have the rocky soil or the thorns and the thistles <clears throat> where they receive it Oh, I'm sorry. The next one here. 
the thorns and the thistles, the cares of this life, worries and desire for other things, come in, choke it, and become unfruitful. And then there are people like us in this room where the seed is falling on good soil. And this represents those of us here right now that are hearing the word. We're understanding it, God's word, and it's producing a harvest in our lives. You know, um, let me turn this off. Okay, Lord, where are we going? Let's see. So putting the word to work. You know, this statement came to mind. Doug used to say it in class a lot. <clears throat> if you want to gauge your spiritual growth and where you are at the in your walk with God, Really, the, the definition of, of spiritual growth is when your Bible form beliefs begin to govern what you think, what you say, and what you do. When the Word of God takes such precedence and priority in our lives, let me see if I can find it here. Man, I was just flipping like crazy today. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Well, the Lord really had me over today, and I was just really getting captivated by the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And man, there's just a lot of good stuff in there <clears throat> that we could glean from. But something that really jumped out at me, and I just want to read this to you, and I think it kind of ties in with, with what we're talking about here. But in Matthew chapter 7... Verse 24 in the NLT, talking about building our lives on a solid foundation. How many know the things in this life is, is just shifting and moving and things are ever evolving and ever changing? But the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's eternal. It never changes. We can take it to the bank. You know, if God's Word says it, we can believe it, and that truly can settle it. But Matthew 7 verse 24 it says <clears throat> anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on a solid rock though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock but anyone who hears my teaching this is pretty clear but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on the sand when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house it will collapse with a mighty crash verse 28 when jesus had finished saying these things the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority quite unlike their teachers of religious laws this is kind of the tail end of what jesus was teaching on the sermon of the mount but what are we building our life upon? Are we building castles in the sand that are just going to get blown away by everything in this world that comes our way? When a wind and the waves come, are we going to get knocked out? Or are we going to see to it that this word is our rock and our firm foundation? The, the, 
the, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. That's Jesus himself. And we need to build our lives on the chief cornerstone because it is that cornerstone even in building a building that is going to keep that thing solid. It's going to make that thing stand. It's going to make it endure the test of time that no matter what's going on, it's going to be standing at the end of the day. The more of the word of God we are putting in, we're talking about roots being shallow. Man, the more of the word that we are putting in, when we're feeding on the word and we're watering it in prayer, we're watering it in our confession, we're watering it as we're praising and worshiping God, we're watering it as we're putting it into practice and doing what it says, we're watering it when we're speaking it out of our mouth, that is causing the soil of our hearts and the seed that's been planted to cause the root system to grow and then to spread out to where we can begin to have that solid foundation where we're built on the rock, but we have a root system that's going deep. And the more that we're in that word, the more that we're water in that word, God's just seeing to it that he's performing it. And that root system's going deep. And like the palm trees that are, you know, they could be bent over sideways, but they got that flexible strength and that root system that goes down so deep, it actually, the, the tension and the pressure actually makes the palm tree grows stronger and the root system thrive out and go deeper. That's what God's wanting to do in our life. He's not wanting the storms of life to take us out, but actually to make us stronger, to make us more steadfast, to keep us to where we endure the test of time, to where we can actually go the distance. And I'm going to close with this. I'm just having fun Bible flipping right now. Let's go over to Romans. This is fun. You guys doing all right? All right, let's take a look at kind of the father of our faith and kind of see how it's done here. You know, it's amazing to me how many unbelieving believers we have out there. That, that, that actually struggle to believe their Bible and how we can actually be weird amongst even the household of faith when we are actually living by faith. It's, it, it's crazy because people are not, um, for we are called to walk by faith and not by sight, but yet the majority of the world and the body of Christ is walking by sight and not by faith. So when you start speaking the language of faith, they give you a weird look. And it's like these are spirit-filled, tongue-talking people that are struggling to believe the Word of God, and walking by faith is somehow to them a foreign language. Taking God at His Word almost seems like Oh, I don't know. That, that might be, ooh, who knows, that may or may not work. I don't know. Well, let's look at somebody that was a faith person. Let's go over to Romans chapter 4, and we'll close with this. Ooh, and I'm giving some time back for that week. I, <laughs> I'm blaming Joe Cool back there. I'm just playing, man. Oh, I love it out here. Okay, uh, let's look at, uh, let's see where we at. 
uh, Romans chapter 4. Okay, let's, look at, let's go ahead and look at Romans 4, and let's start in verse 16. Romans 4, 16. It says, So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Other translations say that he calls things that be not as though they were. That is the very essence of faith in action. Calling those things that be not as though they were. It goes on to say here, uh, we'll just go 17. That is what the scriptures say when God told him, I've made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. In other words, he's taking God's word to the bank. He's placing a high premium on what God is saying. So having no reason to hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him that, That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though about a hundred years of age, he figured his body as good as dead, and and so was Sarah's womb. Verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Now, through this process of time, there were years that went by. There's always that middle ground. You got to love that middle ground. You get the promise and and you're in the, I think the girls read a book a while back by Charlotte Gamble, something in Miracle in the Middle. And, uh, you know, it's so easy to lose heart in the middle of whatever it is you were going through. But Abraham was so relentless at taking God at his word. And I really believe that he was doing and practicing what God himself does because we are children of God. And what God does, we are to implement or uh, we are to. uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? We're to essentially mimic what God does we're to do what God does because we are created in his image and likeness so everything he created he didn't create it until he spoke it out he called things that be not as though they were and and this is really where I want to land wherever you are in your life in the middle ground or wherever you may be if you want to be proactive in your faith like Abraham is here Not losing faith, but growing in faith, giving glory to God in the middle when you don't see it. I'm speaking out. I'm calling those things that be not as though they were. Let there be light. And so there was. 
whatever it may be, you begin to prophesy and declare through the word of faith what it is God has promised you. That is the man's side of it. We need to simply agree with God and then begin to speak it out of our mouth. We need to call those things that be not as though they were. We need to speak those things into existence, whatever that may be. I like in Ezekiel 37 when they said prophesy to those dead bones. Prophesy to those things in your life that seem to be dead. He is that resurrection power. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of us and he wants to raise you to newness of life. He wants that resurrection power to come alive on the inside of you, bringing health, bringing healing, bringing joy, bringing hope, bringing vision, bringing purpose, bringing destiny, bringing a blessed assurance that he who promised is faithful to perform it. But we have to do something along the way. A lot of people say calling things that be not as though they were is lying, but the Bible says God cannot lie. But yet there's a God of this world, that's all He does. He is a liar and the father of lies. But God is not a liar. He's a faith God. He speaks things into existence. And we are a faith children who are to speak things into existence. We are wanting to believe it when we see it, but God is saying, I want you to say it, and then you'll see it. We get it backwards. And so, so oftentimes, uh, we're, we're, we're speaking it out, we're saying it, but we're really not believing it. How many of you could say, you know, there some point in your life, somebody spoke things over you repeatedly? Sometimes very negative things, verbal abuse, you know, things, things that, that damaged you, that, that, that rocked you, that, that affected your uh, self-esteem, that affected the way that you looked at yourself. Those words carried weight and they carried power. And they stuck with you. And because it was said over and over and over again, it went from your head and dropped down into your heart and you begin to believe the lies. That is exactly what the enemy's wanting to do and that's why we got to put a safeguard on our heart and say no enemy access. Satan, get on out of here with your lies and cohorts. We got to take every thought captive. We need to renew our minds to God's word. We need to pull down those strongholds. We need to stay continually in God's word more than ever before because the onslaughts of the enemy are relentless. And he doesn't take a day off. Sometimes we get these faith victories and then we think we can just kick back on our loungers. I, I don't couple weeks ago I talked about Elijah on his mountaintop experience and how coming off the mountain that's when the attack came it's like in the midst of his greatest victory the enemy came along and and undercut him with a staggering low so that's where we got to guard our hearts we got to see to it that in the middle ground we're maintaining our faith Doug says this a lot, what's been obtained must be maintained. If we don't maintain things, if we don't maintain the Word of God in our lives and neglect it, 
it's like servicing your car. If you don't change the oil, things are going to go bad for you. Well, we need to do continual service and maintenance on our spiritual lives by getting that word in us on an ongoing basis. All right, let's stand. All right, I gave like 10 minutes back. All right, let's just have a moment with the Lord. Let's all just take a moment to examine the soil of our hearts. Lord, am I not feeding on the Word? Am I remaining ignorant? Where I'm being destroyed for a lack of knowledge and the enemy's coming in and snatching that out of my heart? Have I not allowed my root system to go down deep enough into the, to the soil to where I can endure the hardships of this life? Have I been diligent in being a hearer and a doer of the Word so that I know I'm not building castles in the sand, but I'm building my life on the rock? Father, I pray tonight your word says that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And I really believe that, that in this room, some of you might be looking overhead for some major issue in your life. And I can almost guarantee you that it's something very minor. A minor tweak, a minor adjustment in your heart, in your attitude. Maybe a root of bitterness needs to be uprooted and you need to forgive and forget. Let the Lord examine your heart to see to it that your soil is fertile. You're not hard-hearted, but you're soft and receptive to receive God's Word, to hear God's voice when He speaks that you can have a rich relationship with Him that is not hung up on the cares of this life, the desire for other things. But Lord, may our greatest desire be for You, that we seek first the kingdom of God and Your righteousness above all else that we cut loose right now. Let's just cut loose all of the weights and the sins that so easily entangle us. Those little foxes that spoil the vine, let's, let's kick them out. Let's make those minor tweaks and adjustments so that we can receive the Word of God and produce fruit in our lives so that our prayers can be answered, so that we can hear from heaven, so that we can have a rich, intimate relationship with Jesus, and most importantly, that our, our, our light can shine so bright before men as we lift Your name up. Father, I thank You that Your Word does not return void, but it accomplishes each and everything that You set it out to do. And Father, I thank you. Lord, I, I repent of my sins in thought and word and deed right now, and I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me, cleanse me, wash me in your blood, robe me in your righteousness.
Make me a new creature in Christ. I forgive myself. I forgive others. I forget those things which are behind, and I forge ahead with you. And I pray the same for each and every person, Lord, that they can do the same. That you can clear, that you can cleanse our conscience, and that we can enter boldly into the throne room of grace. That we re might receive your mercy and find your grace, your strength, your help in the time of need. Zechariah 4, 6 said this, it's not by my might nor by my power, but by your spirit within us. We look to the spirit of God on the inside of us. Lord, I'm tired of trying to do things in my own strength. Help us all, Lord, to lean on your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, direction, creative ideas, divine favor. Father, I just declare each and every person in here is growing in wisdom and stature and favor with you, Lord, and favor with man. That everything they put their hand to do prospers because they put you first. We love you, Lord. We give you the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name. Amen.